0: You're listening to Campus Review Radio.
1: It's Lauren, Education Editor. You often hear academics complain about their failures, whether they've missed out on a grant or they're overworked or stressed or both. But how often do you hear them talk negatively about their success? ANU's associate professor, Inga Mewburn, has done this on a post on her blog, The Thesis Whisperer. I spoke to her about what she meant by the problems of success. Obviously, you are a a successful person because you're writing about the problems associated with that. So can you tell me a bit about yourself professionally?
0: Well, I'm a research educator. I've been doing this since 2006. It's a weird kind of job. Most people don't know it until they encounter someone like me. So I work with researchers in all disciplines and I teach them how to navigate academia, uh, communicate. I teach them research integrity and writing. So uh, I help PhD students get their PhD faster and with less pain. And one of the reasons why I've become very famous in my field is that I run a blog called The Thesis Whisperer and it has a lot of followers.
1: And what made you decide to write this particular blog post?
0: This one's been brewing for a long time, actually. Um, I've been reflecting on my experiences I've gone through over the last 10 years, particularly since I started the blog nine years ago. And uh, it revealed to me a whole different world of problems that I hadn't realised exist before. These problems annoy me um, or they make me sometimes sad uh, and some of them are irritating and I've just been running the problems by a few people lately or people have been bringing me similar problems and um, so it just all reached a head one day over lunch with a colleague where I just pulled out a napkin and started writing them down and it kind of came out in a rush. I wrote it very fast, which is why I did the proverb wrong at the top, which has been corrected 15 times now. Thank you, audience.
1: Yeah, you can always rely on internet commenters to correct you, which is... Mine are very kind. Oh, that's good. Mine are very kind. Um, So if you could just briefly talk through, I think there were four problems that you raised.
0: The first one that I talked about was professional jealousy. And this one's hard for me. I've been subjected to it intensely by about three different people. And the thing about professional jealousy that I've come to realise is that it's very easy to blame yourself because it doesn't appear to be jealousy. It appears sometimes in the helpful, sort of helpful suggestions or um, just sort of backhanded comments that make you feel bad about yourself. Um, And um, I've, you know, uh, I've moved away from certain opportunities and people because of, of this kind of professional jealousy and I think the saddest thing is it often uh, happens between women and I also think that the person who is acting from that place of jealousy is often entirely unconscious of what they're doing they're just acting on their feelings and um, and never bringing their feelings to you because perhaps they're shameful or too much that they can even admit to themselves so that one I think also happens within PhD communities so PhD students who are successful often find they're subject to sort of tall poppy syndrome. So I think professional jealousy is really alive in academia and it's quite um, subtle. Um, And then the second one was was the problem of being the person who's good at something and therefore you become the go-to person for that. An example of that in my university is the three-minute thesis competition, which is a sort of presentation competition for PhD students. And I'm the a primary trainer inside my university and the three-minute thesis competitions become really popular amongst early career researchers who might never have had the training back in their PhD days. So I get asked to do a lot of that sort of help and extra training for people, which is really hard to manage with my time. Um, and also just people emailing you and asking you questions um, or wanting to have a one-on-one meeting with you so that you can apply your knowledge to their particular circumstance. And I actually really love doing that kind of work. It makes you feel great. I enjoy it. I feel like I'm I'm practically applying the skills I'm giving back. But just the sheer number of them becomes really hard to manage. And saying no feels bad, you know. And I don't want people to stop asking. (laughs) But sometimes I just really have to manage the flow. And I think um, also just being in a line management position. So the third one was being, being as good as your boss or knowing as much as your boss about something. So I don't know my boss's whole job. So she she does a whole lot of stuff that I actually strategically don't want to know about because I don't want her job. But I know a great deal about um, research education, so I act in an advisory role. Luckily, I have a really good relationship with my boss at the moment. But in the past, I've had much more difficult situations where my advice has either been ignored or pushed aside or I've been told not to give it. So I've had to sort of learn how to be a good advice giver so that actually can be really problematic I think I think many academics would experience that, the curse of knowledge I call it and lastly it's just everyone wanting a piece of you so um, and that in turn, that actually is different from asking for help, it's offering you an opportunity Uh, keynotes, travel and it sounds really so whiny to whinge about something like that that's why I say these are problems um, my friend Richard Hume described them to me as high-class problems. They're, <laughs> they're the kind of problems where everyone goes, oh, I wish I had that problem. And um, so you, you really can't complain about being asked to travel four times in three months overseas. Um, it just sounds very whiny. But um, And so, of course, then also learning how to say yes or no to those um, opportunities. And some of them are so good, um, and you feel like you have to jump on everything and... and that's just lead to exhaustion. So they're my four four categories.
1: So you've already referenced this uh, in describing the last problem, and that is some people might perceive this to be an ultra first world problem in a sense. Um, I was wondering if you've received any reactions to that effect. I know that the post has only recently been published, but are you expecting any pushback? Um,
0: I was a little bit, especially about the last one, but actually I've had, I've had quite the deluge of really lovely emails. (laughs) There's not many comments there. And I thought, oh, I've offended people, but people wrote to me in private saying, oh, I hadn't realized that you'd experienced, I'm sort of reading between the lines that you've experienced some hard times. And I just want to say to you how much you've really helped me. So actually I've had the opposite of what I expected (laughs) to have. And I should not I should have expected better from my audience because they are very lovely, generous people. Uh, And I really tried to write the post from the point of view of you may experience some of these problems or you might be experiencing different versions of these problems. These don't have to be as extreme as I'm experiencing them. You can get a lot of opportunities offered to you in the general run of the mill as an academic, but you have to manage your time. And I see a lot of students, for instance, offered things like teaching gigs and they're offered, you know, come and help us in this committee, come and help us organise this conference, come and help us do this, come and help us do that. And they're all really good opportunities to build skills in your career and so on, but managing your time around them and getting everything you have to get done um, is a skill that I think everyone has to learn, whether or not you have lots of them or few of them. So no, I've actually, I've been pleasantly surprised with the feedback that I've got offline from the post. <laughs>
1: And just lastly, do you think that the post might also offer lessons for people who aren't as successful in that it kind of humanises success and shows that it's not what some people might perceive it to be as this perfect thing?
0: Um, One of my colleagues, Victoria, always tells me that I have a knack for humanising things and making things approachable in the classroom, and I, I appreciate that feedback. She she particularly likes the way that I'll freely tell people that I've been in therapy. You know, and I'll say, my, therapy says, my therapist says this or my therapist says that. And I think people are sometimes shocked and they come up to me afterwards and say, you're in therapy? And I say, well, yes. I'm, I need to debrief with someone who's not, you know, I don't want to overburden all my relatives and my child and my friends with some of these thoughts and problems that I have. So I see a therapist and I just try to normalise that as, and people say, well, that really makes me feel um, relieved because I see a therapist and I saw it as a sort of deficit in me and the fact that you're so visibly successful and and you still have these feelings, that sort of makes it okay. And I, I that's one of the things I just didn't realise about being a prominent person that would be that you'd act as this model just by being yourself and being vulnerable actually can be really helpful to other people. So. It comes naturally to me because that's how I am. I can't hide stuff. But um, but I'm starting to realise that it's a, I'm actually providing a very valuable service by being a bit of a mess in public.
1: <laughs> I completely agree with that. I'm the same way. Um, and I think maybe it takes a certain degree of self-confidence to admit your vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably emotional privilege. I've, I'm a twin and I'm happily married and I have, A beautiful son and so I have three people really close to me who just really always got my back and it gives me a kind of cushion on life and I actually have to recognize that that I I'm able to do things able to say things and able to to express things because I have that and it is emotional privilege not everybody has it and I can't expect everyone to react the same way or be able to do that not everyone is is um, has people around them who are actually genuinely helpful so and I counter this a lot in my work you know PhD students have some very complicated life circumstances and so you know although I can be a model on that I wouldn't expect anyone else to to feel that they have to be that confident themselves
1: well I really appreciate your time and especially you opening up even though that comes naturally to you Um, so thank you so much for doing this Oh,
0: you're most welcome. Thanks for asking.